Matthew 13. We're going to Matthew 13 today. If you use a paper Bible, if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the um, chairs. You're welcome to take one home with you if you like. If you um, have the Bible on your phone, that's fine too. I'll just assume you're reading the Bible and not playing gardenscapes or something. <laughs> Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Next week, we're um, going to talk about 2020, um, who we are as a church and where we're going and things the Lord's speaking to us. We're going to give people a chance to finish traveling and get home. Some more of the church family is here for it. But I'm so, I wanted to do it today. I'm so excited to do it. Um, how many of you can feel like God has like prepared us to do good things? Like not just like good things, but like righteous, awesome Jesus things. We owe the world an encounter with God. And I really believe he's preparing us. Um, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. He's been preparing us to walk in that, to do that. And um, I'm so excited just for what's coming next in this year. Um, anyway, but that's for, that's for next week. If I start, we'll, we'll not stop. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. In preparation for next week, I want us to think through just some simple principles. If you were raised in church or been around church at all, you're really familiar with this uh, parable of Jesus. It's in all th three of the four Gospels. It's in Mark and Luke as well. Um, but it's the parable of the sower and the seed. How many of you are familiar with this? Parable of the sower and the seed. It's a pretty, um, um, it's a good one for little kids. So if you were raised in Sunday school, you definitely heard it. Parable of the sower and the seed. But I want us to think through it on a couple of levels today, um, especially because our mission as a church is to equip people to be and make disciples. That's the mission that we have, to equip people to be and make disciples. Jesus gave us one mission when he left. Matthew 28, he gave us one mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them all the things I've commanded you, right? Go make disciples. That's his one mission. Here's what his mission is not. His mission is not build a building and try to get as many people in it as possible. That is not fulfilling the mission. That is not fulfilling the mission. That's just moving the goalpost. We got lots of people in the room. How many of you know, like, you can have a church and no disciples? If you have disciples, you'll have a church. But you can have a church, you can have a church built and no disciples in the room. That's possible. And if I showed you the books that come out geared towards people like me who pastor churches, you would know why. <laughs> Almost without exception... They're all about creating a better product and a better base show, for lack of a better word, you know, how you can up your music game, how you can up your coffee game, how you can offer people a product that gives them some encouragement for the week. Listen, some, sometimes you're in a hard season and you are like just looking forward to Sunday for the shot in the arm, but if that's your Christian life, that's a problem. We should be experiencing transformation, right? Not just like, let me give you enough hope to get you through one more week until you stagger and hair beleaguered again to come and receive from the professional. You lay people. <laughs> come on. What's the mission? To raise up people to be fully functioning disciples of Jesus Christ who can strengthen themselves in the Lord, who overflow with the presence of God, who are powerful, which means we don't need just like three powerful people in this room. Only the people with the name tags get to do the Jesus stuff. No, everybody gets to do the Jesus stuff. We want you to practice doing the Jesus stuff because we want you to leave and do the Jesus stuff. So in thinking about next week and talking about our mission, I think this is a really important piece. The word of God and the soil of our hearts. Matthew 13, starting in verse one. Later that same day, 
Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Now, this is interesting. There's a lot of reasons why he might have gotten in the boat. One, the water might help amplify his voice. That's possible. Um, but I also know that at this point in his ministry, people are like, just touch him and you'll be healed. Right? If you can just grab the edge of his coat. Because they've heard the stories, right? They've heard the woman with the issue of blood who got down on her knees and just touched the hem of his garment. And he wasn't even looking at her, didn't even see her. And he was like, whoa, power just left me. Who touched me? All the people pressing against him. But somebody came with a desperate faith. And that faith made a withdrawal on his account. And he felt it. Who touched me? All these people are touching him. Here's this lady on the ground. She got them of his garment. They've heard the story. So people are crowding in to get what they need from Jesus. And at this point, Jesus is like, I need to teach you some things. <laughs> right? Think of the day where he multiplies the, the food and feeds the multitude. What happens the next day? Some rotten people come back and they're like, give us more food. And he was like, listen, you need to like ingest the teachings. That was the food. And they were like, even Moses gave us manna. You'll have to do better than that. Get to it, slave boy. You know, that's, that's literally how they're talking to him. Give us our food, right? So, and if you think and initially in Jesus' ministry, what was he telling people that he healed? Don't tell anybody about this. Don't tell anybody about this. Have you ever seen that and been like, why is he doing that? Because the minute people were like, I can get something from him, they were a lot less likely to stop and listen and learn and experience transformation. What are some warnings we have in the New Testament? Don't remain like babies who need to be fed with bottles. That's kind of the current American church. Give them enough hope to get them through next week. No, you should be powerful, strong people in the Lord. Strengthening yourselves in the Lord. Eating steak if you've been saved for a while, right? You should... But the people said, I just want to, you just, you know the Father. Just get the stuff I need from him. So Jesus gets in a boat. No one can touch him, right? He gets in a boat. He pushes off a bit and begins to teach them. And here's what he teaches them. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he, scat he scattered as he went. Some seeds fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came to him and asked, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, and their, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. 
The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was placed in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Okay, it's a pretty straightforward parable. Again, it's told in Mark and Luke as well. In Mark, it's interesting, it comes in chapter four, and the first three chapters of Mark illustrate the first three kinds of soil, the kinds of soil that aren't good soil for the word. So you've got four kinds of soil. Three aren't good for the word for different reasons, and one is good for the word. So I want us to think about this in two ways today. Number one, what does the soil of our heart look like? Right? When the word comes to us, when we're reading the word or we're listening to a sermon, what is the soil of our heart like? And then also I want us to think about as you are the sower, as you sow the word, the kinds of soil that you encounter. Um, so number one, the footpath. We see in the um, book of Mark, um, the Pharisees and religious leaders represented the footpath, right? It was well-trodden ground, so when the seed got thrown on it, there was really nowhere for it to go. And Jesus explains these are these who they hear, but they don't understand it, right? And so the religious leaders up to that point in the teaching in Mark, um, Jesus was teaching them, but it was coming in a different way than they had prepackaged, decided this is how God has to look and here's how he has to do it. And because it didn't fit that, their well-worn path, they rejected Jesus' teachings. How many of you know there are things that don't change? Things that are, they're tr they were true 2,000 years ago, they're true today, right? They don't change at all. So the word of God, what's true about him doesn't change. But how many of you know the way that he comes to you, he changes that up all the time. He will not be put in a box. We make, we make this space for God because it's been our experience of God and he'll come a whole different way around. <laughs> and shake us up, and shake us loose. Our brains are made to go to habit. They're made to be efficient. So there's times where you're driving home from work, and you get home and you're like, I don't remember just driving that. Have you, have you done that? What happened? Your brain is constantly looking for what it can do as habit so it can shut down and conserve some energy. So there's times where you're driving home, you've driven home from work a thousand times, but this particular time you pull in and you're like, did I fall asleep at the wheel? I don't even remember that drive. Your brain shut down to its very base and just did the habit, right? Um, how many of you at home, you might have conversations, let's, let's say you're married maybe, and you have a conversation and you'll have one spouse, let's say the woman, um, who's like, are you even listening? <laughs> but you've had that conversation a lot of times <laughs> and it's kind of going down the same direction and without realizing it your brain shut down <laughs> and now your wife is saying are you even listening to me <laughs> yes I'm totally there I'm in wasn't trying to ignore you no one's acknowledging that it hasn't happened to anyone in this room, right? But our brain goes to habit. Here's the thing. God wants to know you and you be known by him, right? He wants you to know him. He wants you fully alive and present. And that's the only way you really can know him. Otherwise, we reduce him to very small things. And so he will constantly change stuff up on you. He will not let your brain go to habit on him. 
How many of you have been in positions where you're like, I thought I had that figured out, but God got me fully present again. (laughs) We want to work him like we work systems. But he's the God of the universe. (laughs) Right? The Pharisees and Sadducees, they were like, we've got this figured out. And Jesus, you're bringing it. He was just speaking the truth. It's been the truth forever. But he was bringing it in a way where they were not willing to receive it. That is not how we do it. That is not how we've done it. La, 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 la. You're not doing it in the synagogue. You're not, right? We've made buildings for this and you're out with people in the marketplace and other places that we don't go. They, they were unwilling to receive what he was doing. He was on the mission they had forgotten about. When he goes, turns over tables, how many of you know that story? There's one day Jesus goes to the temple and he gets really, really, really angry. And he starts turning over the temple merchants' tables. Right? We know the story. He doesn't, it's not like, oh, he had fits of rage. He doesn't because he sits there in the corner and it says he fashions a rope. <laughs> he sat there mad. <laughs> Fashioning a rope. And then he chased the merchants out of the temple because they had set up in the place where Gentiles who weren't believers yet but were seeking, they were able to come into that one place where they could hear the word and they could hear the worship. And they could make a decision what they thought about God. They could come and pray to him. They had t- merchants had taken it over for business. Jesus is ticked. The whole reason he chose a people was to reflect his glory so the nations would come to know him. And the one place you've made for the nations, you have filled up to make money. And so he turns over all their, he chases them out with a whip. It's a pretty stern picture of Jesus. These people who are like, Jesus, just he's like all my, mm, they've never read him. They've never read anything about him. He's fierce. Jesus is fierce. They'd forgotten the mission they were on. They'd forgotten their mission. Jesus knew what mission he was on. But for the people whose hearts were hardened, they thought they had God figured out. Here's how he does it. Here's how it works. Here's how it has to look. They couldn't hear what he was saying. So he's throwing out all kinds of seed. Imagine if you could be taught by Jesus. (laughs) And yet we know from reading the Gospels, probably the majority of people that he taught did not receive what he taught. It's a good thing he had like... He knew success was faithfulness and not being liked by people. (laughs) Or he might have doubted himself. So he's teaching them. He's throwing out these gems. But it's like a footpath. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. When we think of the footpath, we think of people who, like, they're opposed to God. That's the footpath. It's not. It's religious people who've gone to habit on God. And now he's showing up all around us. And our hearts are hard. We're bored with him. Because we forgot how crazy and marvelous and beautiful and surprising he is. Does it fit in our box? So that's the first soil. The second soil, the rocky soil, we see in the first three chapters of Mark who represents this rocky soil, the crowds who want miracles but who reject his teachings and transformation. Listen, everybody wants a savior. Everybody wants a savior. Not everybody wants a Lord. <laughs> Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I come to believe, right? The gospel's true. And then I say, you are Lord, I am not. Your way, not my way. I surrender my life to you, right? That's, that's the turning point, the lordship. It doesn't say you confess him as king, you confess him as savior, you confess him as Lord. You are Lord, I am not. Hmm, that's hard. The people who have rocky ground, it's like, yeah, I love what you're bringing, Jesus. 
Cool, awesome, but it's shallow ground. They don't let roots grow deep. They're unwilling to have transformation. They want the, they want the goosebumps when we sing Amazing Grace. <laughs> they don't want the altar call, right? I'm enjoying your presence, but I'm unwilling to submit to your lordship. They're unwilling to have transformation. They're shallow, 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 which brings us back to if in the American church we are creating systems where we create shows and performances, <laughs> how deep is the soil going to be? If it's all about, hey, come and see if we're the best thing on the block. If our band could just be a little better than band down the street, we'll be the it. Come on. And so what happens when there's little, when there's shallow soil, the first bit of hardship comes, the first bit of persecution comes, you're out of there. You're out of there. I love this story from Ray Comfort. He, it's just a great illustration. He talks about how um, the message of like, hey, Jesus has a wonderful life for you, so you should get saved. He's like, this, you should tell people the whole story. Like God's plans for us are good. He is so good. But there's actually a heaven and a hell and he is God and we are not, like we should receive him because of who he is, not because I want something from him, right? It reduces my Christian life to, oh, you're gonna make my life more comfortable. You're gonna make my life easier. When so often just the opposite happens. How many of you, when you finally gave your full life fully over to God, you were like, now everything's gonna get awesome. And you were like, oh my word, everything just fell apart. <laughs> Stuff just got really, really hard, right? right? Stuff starts to get stripped away, and God's going to rebuild, remold, and I mean, he's so good. What happens in the end is good, but he didn't come to make our life comfortable. His, Jesus' invitations sound like this. Take up your cross and follow me. I'm about to die. Like, that's his invitation into relationship. Not, I'll make your life super comfortable. That's not his invitation to relationship. So here's how, yeah, so here's how Ray Comfort's illustration goes. He says, listen, he's, we've been telling people like, hey, just choose Jesus your life will be so good and so blessed and so perfect and you know, you'll work it like a slot machine. It's like if you get an airplane and you're like an hour into a five-hour trip and the stewardess comes by and says, hey, I have a parachute. Put it on. It's going to make you so comfortable. Everyone's going to want to be like you. It'll be awesome. This parachute's just for you. You put on that parachute you can't sit back anymore. You're super not comfortable. Nothing that she said is true. People are laughing. Right? Within five minutes, you've taken off the parachute. Right? If the stewardess comes to you and says, hey, listen, the plane's going down. This is the last parachute. I'm giving it to you. You're going to put that parachute on and nobody could rip it off your body. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to be like, I... I need this parachute to live, right? It's not about me being more comfortable. It's I'm dying without it. I will die with the parachute. And not just in the life to come, in this life. I talk to people all the time. I'm, I feel like they're already dead. They're still breathing. But inside, right? You need the parachute to live, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And what were you made for? What actually makes you satisfied in life? Jesus says, right? The disciples had bread. They'd eaten it. They'd come into the boat. And Jesus says, hey, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And they're like, is he upset that we didn't bring him bread? They're really confused. And he says, no. My bread is to do the will of him who sent me and finish the work. What will be truly satisfying in your life is to partner with God to do the things he's created you for. That's what's actually satisfying. Without the parachute, you die. You're not things you're made for. You can substitute them with other things for a while, but all those things grow cold. How many of you have found that? You can find substitutes, but really, he has made you for certain purposes, and if you're not doing them, you're dying. I don't know why it's so quiet. How are we doing? Are we good? Are we good? 
this isn't a hard one. This is a, this is a like middle swing for this house. Are we, we're good? Okay, okay. Rocky soil, shallow, won't receive the word fully and so it gets, the word gets choked out very easily. The thorny soil, this is represented and marked by Jesus' family. The thorny soil cares about what others think. The cares of this world get all up in the thorny soil. And so the word found a place to land, but it gets choked out by all the cares of this world. What people think in my other pursuits and maybe making money and doing these other kinds of things. Jesus' family, um, after he gets started, they're pretty embarrassed. At different times they come to him and they're like, hey, um, maybe you should come home for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're a little embarrassed by him. Even his mom. Come on, mom. The, all the religious leaders coming at him and stuff, and then his mom shows up to be like, hey, son, a little weird. That's a bummer. When even your mom's not in your corner all the time. I mean, we know then she was, but. But that's the thorny soil. The word takes root for a minute, but gets choked out. And there's good soil. The good soil receives the word of God, right? And it's able to grow down deep. There's transformation that comes from it. These are the four kinds of soil. So the first thing we're doing today is checking our own soil. How's the soil of your heart? How's the soil of your heart doing? The word of God comes to you. You're reading it. You hear a podcast. You're on Sunday morning church, whatever, however it's coming to you. The word of God comes to you. What soil does it find? Are you consumed with the cares of this world? Matthew tells us, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things you worry about, food, shelter, clothing, all these things you worry about will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom. Sometimes we feel like we've got to seek, we've got to get stuff on our own and God's on the side, right? He's the side thing we do. But you know, I've got to pay the mortgage, you've got to do the stuff. Jesus is just the opposite. Seek first my kingdom and watch where I place you. Watch the favor I give you. Watch the doors I open for you that no man could have opened. Right? There was such a good sermon Bill Johnson preached. It's been like three years ago. But it sticks with me, so every once in a while I'll find it again on YouTube. You know how you start scouring, you're like, I know it's here somewhere. Um, I've listened to it several times, but there's one point in the sermon where he talks about, you know, there's times where there's things that God wanted to bring into our lives to bless us. But because we took them out of time, because we took them out of turn, they became like an idol to us, right? There were things maybe he was even going to bless you with, but you just had to have it, so you bought it on credit. And now it's a heavy weight when he was going to bless you with that anyway. You just had to wait a minute. Are you with me? Things we decide, I've got to have this, God. I've just got to have this, and then whatever else you want, I'll do. Got to have this boyfriend, got to have this girlfriend, got to have this thing, got to have this job, got to have this. If I can just have this thing in place, God, then everything else, you can tell me what to do. How many of you have ever done that? Me and Ben, are you serious? Me and Ben and Nancy. Me and Ben and Nancy. And so often, God even put a desire in our heart for the thing. And in the fullness of time, he was going to bring it to us. But we decided, we got nervous. Maybe I'm not really loved by God. Maybe he doesn't really care. Maybe he would, I better grab this thing so I can have something good. And then, okay, God, the rest, I'll do what you want. And we took it out of time. When it could have been a blessing, it becomes an idol. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> Check the soil of your heart. Are there things where you've decided, I just need to go after this thing, whatever. I, can't, I, don't, I don't trust that God will be good. I don't trust that he is my source. And so I've made this resource my source. And now I have anxiety about my job, and anxiety about the promotion, anxiety about this. Anxiety about the credit card, because I just had to, my kids needed a good Christmas. 
How many people will spend the first few months of this year digging out from Christmas? Just my kids had to have some more junk. Listen, we told our kids this year, we were like, here's our budget for Christmas. <laughs> this is it. This is it. Because we're wanting to build a house, right? So we're like, this is, this is it. And our kids got resourceful. They wanted a new Xbox. And we were like, that is outside the realm of what we have budgeted. And so they got resourceful. There's like a bank who if you deposit 500 bucks, they'll give you 250 after like two months. They like got this whole thing going so that they pitched in. They paid more for their Xbox than we did. And I did have a little compassion for him because my 15-year-old, he's like, at co-op, kids call me Boomer. Because <laughs> we have like the original Xbox or whatever, second generation, when I don't know what it is. What did we have, babe? We had an Xbox 360. I don't know what they all do, whatever. He's like, Mom, a couple of kids have called me Boomer because I've got an Xbox 360. <laughs> like, all right, whatever. You guys want to get resourceful? You want to earn? You want to do whatever? Fine. But we're not going in debt. We're not going to spend over our budget to have more stuff in the house. How we look back on these things and we think, why did I do that? Why did I purchase that? Right? right? As we're selling stuff for five cents on the dollar at a garage sale, we're like, why in the world? Giving stuff away. Out of season. How's the soil of our heart? Are we taking stuff out of season because we're so worried God's not going to take care of us? Pursuing things so that all the cares of this world crowd out the word. Even if our heart wants to receive the word. We have stuffed so much stuff in our life, there's just no room for it. It's getting crowded out by so many things. How's the soil of our heart when it comes to transformation? The word of God transforms us. James says, it is a stupid man who looks in a mirror, sees he has spinach in his teeth, and leaves it there. <laughs> I added the spinach part. Right? But it's not a wise man. When you look in a mirror and you see there's a big flaw going on that you could correct, you correct it. The word of God, it says, is like this mirror. Right? Whew. This mirror shows us what we look like. So we can say, God, come and do that work. God, come and do that thing. God, if you've shown me, it's only because you want to lead me into life. If you've shown me this thing, it's only because you're going to take me to a better place. How many of you know, like, no good parent says to their child, here's your flaw, and leaves it at that. If you are talking to your child about something that needs to be corrected, it's because you're going to correct it. You're going to show them how that thing can be better. If the word of God, if through the word God has shown us something, it's because he's going to lead us into life. And deliver us from that thing. When you come to the word, when you come to the seed that is the word, you have to know that God wrote it for you as much as any other person in the world. You have been invited to the table as a full participant. You are not uniquely broken. You are not uniquely outside of what God can do. He's not talking to everybody else but you. But you don't know, I've got this in my life and I have this. He knows. He knows. And he's still calling to you. If he's showing you stuff, he's still active in your life. <laughs> and he is calling you to the table. That word is for you. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say faith comes from hearing the word of God. It says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. As I'm planting the word of God in my life, what happens? I become familiar with the voice. 
as I'm in his word, as I'm reading it, as I'm receiving and teaching, what happens is that word's getting planted. I'm getting tuned to his voice. And now what's happening? I start to hear him all the time. I've allowed the word to take root. The word has taught me how to hear. And now I'm hearing. <laughs> what was the problem in Isaiah? He's speaking, but you're not listening. Right? He's showing up, but you're not seeing. If I can make my heart good soil for him, if I can say, God, come and make my heart good soil. It happens through surrender. That's how you make it good soil. If this is my prayer and my heart becomes good soil, now that word gets planted and now my hearing becomes acute. Now my ear is tuned toward him. And I'm not just hearing him as I'm listening to the word. I'm hearing him guide me throughout my day. Your hearing gets opened through the word. Faith to believe. When you're a sower. So you reflect on what the soil of our heart looks like. Now, what does soil look like when you're the sower? You're the person's word. What does this tell you? This lesson about soil, about when you're spreading the word. Well, first of all, the sower spread as he went. The sower just spread. It went on rocky ground, it went on shallow ground, it went on thorny ground, it went on good soil, but that sower just spread as he went. When you're taking time to be in the word, what begins to happen? It just starts to come out of you. When you get filled with the presence of God, you just start leaking. You don't have to sit and think, man, I should share the gospel. I should make a disciple. That's the one mission Jesus gave us, right? If you start filling yourself with the word, what begins to happen? It comes out of you. You're spreading seed as you go. Your friend's talking about how they can't remember Saturday because they got blitzed, and you're like, oh, really? Cool. Well, I actually had this experience with God on Sunday where he showed me this thing and I was like, oh my word, that's so obvious, how have I not seen it? But it was like a supernatural wake up, you know? If everybody else could talk about their weekend, so could you, right? The only people who ever get mad about you talking about Jesus are disaffected Christians. Don't worry about them. People who haven't met him yet when you start talking about him in your life, they see how beautiful he is. He's beautiful to them. Even if they choose not to receive him, he's beautiful. The sower, casting seed as they go. Now, Jesus talks about who you're going to invest in, find people of peace to invest in, right? But in terms of seed, you're just sowing that as you go. Sowing as you go, Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed um, what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. What is it envisioning? A sower who's sowing seed as they go. How beautiful are the feet of those who are sowing seed as they go. How beautiful are the feet of those who are sowing seed as they go. One last picture I want to leave you with before we just real practical, some real practical instruction. Um, in ancient times, in ancient farming, how we do it in America is you plow a field, boom. So you have these plowed right, ridges, and then you come and you plant seed in that little trough you've made, and then you cover the seed with soil. That's how we farm in America. In ancient times, here's how they would farm. The sower of seed would go out on the ground and cast the seed. And where they were casting the seed is what called for the plow. And the plow would come and plow that seed under after they had cast seed. 
So sometimes as sowers, we're casting seed and we're like, man, God, I thought I heard you. I thought I was supposed to share with that person. I thought I was supposed to do this thing. And we, we think then the obvious thing is if it's God, that person got saved in the spot or got healed in the spot or whatever. But how often you're just casting seed as you go and it's the ground God's brought you to. And what happens is you cast that seed that you think, man, what's going to happen? The act of you casting that seed calls for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and turn that seed under so it can find life. A pastor list was telling me a story. Some of you, she's told the story too. If you were in her huddle, I'm like, I don't know, a month ago, she was in Panera or Starbucks, I think, Starbucks. And all of a sudden she thought her phone battery had exploded or something because she was getting shocked in her hip. And she was like, she pulled her purse away from her. That's how sure she was. It was her cell phone doing something weird in her purse. She was like, ow, ow, because um, she's feeling the shock in her hip. And the minute she pulls her purse away and looks behind her, here's a girl who's her age in her 20s whose hip is totally out. And as soon as she saw that, the electric shock stopped in her hip. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay, God, I hear you. <laughs> and so they, the coffee got called at the same time. So she's talking to the girl. So, so can I ask you, like, what's happened? And so the girl goes through all this. She has this degenerative disease. They talked for a long time. They had this rapport. And at the end, she, um, Alyssa said, you know, can I pray for you? And the girl said, actually, or she said, do you mind if I pray for you? And the girl said to her, actually, I do mind. Like, on your time, if you want to, that's fine. But I don't want you to pray for me right now. Which you hardly that. Like, that's really unusual. Um, I'm sure there's experiences she's had that's, you know, that would account for that. So Alyssa said, I absolutely will. And I really hope we run into each other again. And so Jesus, um, Alicia has a sense, it's a small town, she will run into her again, but it was that clear. It was that clear. Like she actually had a pain in the part of her body, in the part of the body that she was supposed to pray for for this person. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? How many of you had those things happen where you're like, just supernaturally God's like, just just so you can see, here's what I'm doing right now. He's so gracious to us, to show us. But she could say, well, the person didn't get saved. She didn't get healed in the spot. But you know what? God put his sower exactly where he wanted his sower to cast that seed exactly where he wanted it. And as she cast that seed, here calls the plow, the Holy Spirit to come, you know, and begin to plow that seed under. So we don't worry as sowers, about the, the ground. We sow as we go. We sow as we go. We sow as we go. And then we find that our sowing is what's going to see the plow come to make this ground in Jackson fertile in the surrounding areas. One last thing, practical instruction. You need the word in your life. You need the word in your life. You need to develop a rhythm where you yourself are strengthening yourself in the Lord. And so you can do that daily, weekly, monthly. If you don't have a rhythm where you yourself go and study the word for yourself, read the word for yourself, start with a weekly rhythm. Start with a weekly rhythm. Say, I don't know if Saturday mornings I can do it, or Monday mornings, or whenever it is. Um, Sunday nights, maybe, whatever it is. But at least have a weekly rhythm where you're going to the word. And then as you have a weekly rhythm, you can develop a daily rhythm where you're coming to the word. And that can be a simple thing. Maybe you start with saying, I want to read a chapter a day and just begin to get the word in my heart. Um, this is where I would encourage you um, to start. Good starting point. Start in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Mark is a very easy one to start in. So if you're just getting a rhythm, start in Mark. Just do a chapter a day if you can. Start and mark. And then once you feel like you've got a good handle on Jesus, like I would stay in the Gospels for a while. Don't start from Genesis and say, I'm going to read the Bible now. <laughs> start with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Get a good handle on Jesus. And once you feel like you've got a handle on Jesus, move to the book of James. It's very practical. If you want a solid advice for how to live the Christian life, the book of James is beautiful for that. And then a good next place to go to is the book of Colossians. That's a good one, two, three step. The book of Colossians is like the bigness of God. 
Like, he's so beautiful and glorious, and you get a sense of his huge plan that he has, that you're, he's invited you into. But that's a really good starting point as you start this year. Start a weekly or daily rhythm. Choose one, start it, and then start in Mark. Stay in the Gospels until you got Jesus. He's going to surprise you. There's stuff he does where you're like, what? <laughs> There's stuff he teaches where you're like, wow, that's a hard word, Jesus. I'm going to have to submit to your lordship and have you really help me understand what that means. But that's what he needs to be his disciple. We become like him, right? And then you can move to this. But start, start, start. The word of God, let it find good soil in you. Get the word of God in you so your ears can be opened to hearing. You get used to his voice. Would you stand? Where's your team coming up? We're going to end with um, singing, and we have a chance to respond to God um, in prayer. Um, I want to call for a few specific things in the house um, today. So prayer team, um, if you want to come on up, I do want to call for a couple of specific uh, things in prayer that I just felt led to. Um, Craig, are you here? Craig, you come on up. I'm going to have Craig come and stand right here. Um, if you're in the house and you just struggle with doubt, you struggle, you have a lot of doubts. God is not afraid of your doubts. You can ask him your big questions. Um, but maybe there's just issues of doubt that you really struggle with when it comes to God. I want you to come and receive prayer. And I've asked Craig to come up just because he has a gift of faith. He just has a gift of faith to believe. To believe God is who he says he is. And so I've, I want him to come. If, you, if there's just issues of doubt, it could be on a wide range of things. I want you to come and get prayer from Craig. Gary, would you pray with Craig? Craig, you're going to pray and Gary's going to be your support team. You may have other things you need prayer for. Maybe you're sick in body, you need prayer. There's folks that can pray with you on either side. Maybe there's other issues, needs you come in the house with. You'd like someone to agree with you in prayer. Maybe God has stirred something else up in you and you'd like prayer for that. Come and receive prayer. You can also receive prayer from any believer near you. Every believer in the house has his kingdom without measure. They can pray with you too. But let's take some time to respond to God before we go. Amen. When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken When darkness when darkness tries to roll over my bone When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love No longer has a place to hide and I am not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind No, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love
this power this power that can break off every chain this power that can empty out a grave this resurrection power that can save this power in your name this power in your name this power this power that can break off every chain this power that can empty out a grave this resurrection power that can save this power in your name this power in your name my fear my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing in your love this is how I fight my battles this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In my mother's womb You formed me with your hands Known and loved by you Before I took a breath When I doubted, Lord, remind me I'm wonderfully You're an artist and a potter I'm the canvas and the clay You make all things Work together for my future and for my good. Make all things work together for your glory and for your name. Failure or mistake is 
artist and the potter I'm the canvas and the clay Cause you make all things work together For my future with me yet 
You're not finished with me yet. You're not finished with me yet. You're not finished with me. You're not finished with me yet. You're not finished with me. You're not finished with me yet. You're not finished with me. You're not finished with me yet. When I doubt, Lord, remind me. I won't wander fully me. You're an artist and the potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. I know nothing has been wasted. No failure or mistake. You're an artist and the potter. I'm the canvas and the clay. prayer if you want to receive prayer we're going to close just a minute but you have time so good if you need prayer don't leave without getting it either from the prayer team members or a believer near you responding to God is a good thing 
just piling more information on information, right? Not good. You've got to do something with that. Yeah. Find a way to respond to him this week. Whatever he's stirring up in you. Life is a vapor. It's short. We don't have very long to learn him before it's time to pass on. And while we're in the land of the living, we want to know him. We want to reveal his glory. We like him. Don't waste any time. Don't waste any time. When he stirs, respond. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Would you pray with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would you meet somebody new? Would you hug somebody, encourage somebody? God bless you. Love you.